0: There is a very old story about a village that loved Christmas. They loved the music. They loved the decorations. They loved the lights. They loved the packages. They loved the songs. And they loved Jesus. And they loved each other. And they loved to celebrate and and show their care and show their love for each other. And they sang and sang. But there was one man in the village, old and and bitter, who did not believe, who didn't care for Christmas, who couldn't stand to be around all those happy people. And so he moved away. He moved up into the mountains, away from the village, and he lived alone, avoiding the others. And the story goes that one cold winter day while he was making his breakfast he heard something slam against the window and he looked outside in the snow and there was a bird laying there with its wing broken fluttering and and helpless and and he may have been old and and bitter but seeing that frail broken creature laying there in the cold laying there in the snow he had compassion on it and so he put on his boots and he put on his coat and he put on his gloves and he went out in the snow to rescue the bird. But the problem was, every time he got close to the bird, it would flutter further and further away from him. He would approach it and reach out and the bird would flutter away, further and further away from the, from the warmth of his cabin, further and further away from the safety, further and further into the cold and closer to death. And, and it frustrated him. That doesn't, how does the bird not understand that I'm here to save it? How does the bird not know that I, I want the best for it? Why is the bird afraid of me when I'm trying to help? And the thought hit him, if only I could become a bird, if I could just become a bird and speak the bird's language, then the bird would not be afraid of me and I could explain to him that I'm just here to help, that I want the best for him. And in that moment, He heard the singing from the village below. And he realized it was Christmas morning. And suddenly, he believed. The angels announced, glory to God in the highest. And we realize that that can be a very frightening message to those of us who are in the lowest. How can God understand... How can God know what I'm going through? How can God understand my struggles? How can God understand the conflicts within me and in my relationships? How can God know my pain? How can He know my mistakes? How can He relate to me? And so God comes to us as a child, as the poorest of the poor, knowing our weaknesses. And peace, and on earth peace, Among those with whom he is pleased. Peace is available because of Jesus. Peace is available because the Prince of Peace came to us and he is coming again. So it's with that realization that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi about how to live out that peace. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 today. If you're using those Bibles that we provide for you, you can turn to page 982 and find what we're going to look at today. Paul writes to the church in Philippi about how to live out this peace that we celebrate when we come to Christmas. He says back in chapter 3, verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord jesus christ in other words my life is not about the things that happen here my life is not about this world this this world is not my home i'm just a passing through we we sing that song my life is about heaven glory to god in the highest but the fact is i still live here and that's why he promises and on earth peace so what's that peace look like in the face of difficult situations what's that peace look like in the face of difficult people. What's that peace going to look like in my life? What's it going to look like in my heart and in my mind during those those very unpeaceful times? Paul writes in chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're called to live out a very heavenly peace in the midst of a very unpeaceful place. So what's that look like? What Paul shows us here is that peace on earth means peace in all circumstances. The words in, in verse 4 are very familiar to most of us. You, you've, you've heard them before. You've heard me use them before. If you've not heard them from me before, you've heard the words of verse 4 on, you, you've read them on posters or in cards that someone sa- sent you. You've probably even sung those words before. Growing up, if you went to VBS or if you went to uh, uh, camp, you probably sung these words, and I'm counting on you singing them with me today. Because if you don't, the people who hear me on the podcast are going to be very disappointed if all they can hear is me. Do you know the song? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say rejoice. That'll get us there. Now you and I hear those words, we hear verse 4, and that's our context. Our context is a song. We hear those words and we're like, yeah, we want to sing that. We, we, you read those words in your Bible and you're immediately taken to those moments when at camp you would sing it. And, and you know, that's our context. That's our history. Now, do you think when the Apostle Paul wrote those words that he was sitting there in his jail cell writing to the Philippians and he thought to himself, this will make a good song someday. You know, kids at camp can sing this and it'll be really cool because they can divide it in half and they'll do it as a round and half of them will sing this, and half of them will sing that, and they'll get see who's the loudest. This will be great. You think that's why he wrote it? No. You think that's why he wrote it twice? No. Paul writes those words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do you know why Paul wrote that twice? Because if he wrote it once, people would say, you have got to be kidding. Rejoice always? It, are you off your nut?" Do you have any idea what we're going through? Do you have any idea what life is like? You want us to rejoice always? Our families have rejected us, Paul. We've lost our jobs because of our faith. We've lost our families. We have nothing but each other. And you want us to rejoice in the Lord always? Paul, you're in prison because of your faith. You want us to rejoice in the Lord always? And Paul says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. We saw the same instruction last month as we were getting ready for Thanksgiving. When we went to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 in 1 Thessalonians 5 form three different commands for us. It says, beginning in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Circumstances come into our lives. Circumstances come into our lives. And whether they are good circumstances or whether they are bad circumstances, we realize right away we're not in control of circumstances. We're not in control of those things. The problem is we let circumstances rule our behavior. We let circumstances rule the way that we act, the way that we react. We let circumstances tell us what we're going to do. We let circumstances tell us what we are going to feel. And if our lives are a slave, or if our lives are slaves to circumstances, are we ever going to find peace? No. We can never find peace. And God knows that. And so instead of, of, of becoming slaves to those circumstances, he calls us to himself, and says that in all circumstances, we can trust him. In all circumstances, we can know that he is in control. In all circumstances, we can rejoice. Now, that's not easy. God knows that's not easy. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote that, he knew that wasn't easy. That's why he felt it necessary to repeat himself, for emphasis, for emphasis. It's been a tough year for us. We've, we've lost some wonderful people in the last year. And we've been through, we've been through a lot. There's been sickness. There's been accidents. We've, we've cried together. We've prayed together. We've, we've mourned together. We've been through some really tough stuff. And it, it would be very easy for us to be discouraged. And it would be very easy for us to allow that discouragement to take us into some very dark places. This command here in verse 4 is not a call to ignore circumstances. It's not a call to deny them. It's not a call to pretend everything's fine. Rather, don't let circumstances rule your life. Don't let circumstances in your life deny the fact that God is still God. Glory to God in the highest means that He is in the highest. It means He's above those circumstances that are out of your control. You can trust His presence. Joy is not the absence of trouble. Joy is the presence of God. Sometimes it's not about circumstances, though. Sometimes it's about other people. (laughs) There are people in our lives who do not inspire peace in our lives. There are people who make life difficult, there are people who make life sometimes nearly impossible. And while it's not easy, Paul goes on and shows us that peace on earth means peace in our relationships. You see, if my faith is all about glory to God in the highest, if my hope, if my strength comes from God being above everything going on in my life, that's going to change the way I act. And it's going to change the way I react. It's going to be seen in how I handle myself in good times and in bad times. And it's going to affect my relationships. My relationships with those who are closest to me and my relationships with people who drive me nuts. And sometimes those are the same people. Not always, but sometimes they're the same people. Verse 5, Paul says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You guys don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. This is convicting. None of us are innocent. I know none of us are innocent. Because I've seen your Facebook posts. If we are going to make our reasonableness evident to everyone, then we need to make sure that everyone sees our reasonableness. This would be real easy just to blow off and say, well, let's just move on to verse 6, okay? <sighs> we need this. You need this, okay? Are you with me? Verse 5 Says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Some of your Bibles say, let your gentleness be known to everyone. That sounds nice. Some of your Bibles say, let your sweet reasonableness be known to everyone. That sounds really good. Some of your Bibles say, let your magnanimity be known to everyone. And I really like that one because I don't know what magnanimity means and I can barely pronounce it, so I like that one. I can just make up whatever I want. I understand reasonableness, though. I know what reasonableness is, and I'm not happy about it. Reasonable means I forgive. Reasonable means I forgive insults. Reasonableness means I forgive injuries. Reasonable means I am not vindictive. I understand that. But if I do not understand reasonableness first and foremost because of Jesus, then I don't understand it at all. This is how Jesus has treated me. He forgives my insults. Every time I do something or say something that denies Him, every time my actions speak differently than what He would have me to be, Every time I claim to be a Christian, but by my actions, by my attitudes, by my words, I deny that, that is an insult to Jesus. He forgives my insults. He forgives my injuries. My injuries took Him to the cross. My injuries nailed Him to the cross. He is not vindictive towards me. Jesus doesn't say, I forgive you, Brett. You better watch yourself. Don't you do it again. You are on my last nerve. I've had it with you. Jesus doesn't do that. The reality is, the reality is I cannot enjoy the kind of grace I receive from Him and not pass it on to other people. I cannot enjoy His grace without passing it on to other people, especially the lowest, especially those who have me and hurt mine the most. If I am not showing grace to everyone, then I am not truly showing grace to anyone. I am showing them a cheap imitation of grace that will not show them Christ, that will not save them, and that will not save me. And I know this is hard. I know this is hard. I don't want to beat you up with this stuff. I know this is really difficult, and, and, I, and it's personal. And I think the reason why Paul puts it here is personal. If you look back up into verses 2 and 3, here in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche. Now, Yodia and Syntyche, those were two women in the church, okay? Those are the names of two women in the church in Philippi. And Paul says in verses 2 and 3, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Iodia and Syntyche, these are two women in the church and Philippi who were not getting along. And I know that sounds completely foreign to you, but you've got to remember this was 2,000 years ago and people were really different back then. But yeah, 2,000 years ago, there were times when two women wouldn't get along with each other in the church. Yeah, just try, just try to go there with me, okay? It, it, it used to happen. He says, I entreat. Well, what's entreat mean? I beg beg them to get along i'm pleading with them to agree to agree to find common ground to stop your bickering to stop your fighting you notice what he doesn't say he doesn't say well obviously this one's right and that one's wrong you know why it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who's right and who is wrong. You're throwing away the grace of God because of your disagreements. Stop it. Be reasonable. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is, is near. If the way I treat you betrays My belief that Jesus is near to me then I'm doing something wrong if the way I treat someone else betrays my belief that Christ is in me that he is near then I'm doing something wrong and if I have a hard time being reasonable if I am insisting on getting my way then do I really understand that Jesus is with me and if I'm not being reasonable Am I the kind of person that Jesus would want to be with? Am I the kind of person that he would want to be near? And I know that sounds hard. And I know it goes against everything that you feel, but trust me, it is so much easier than carrying the weight of that bitterness and that anger with you your whole life. And it points us to another reality, and that reality is that if peace on earth means anything, then peace on earth means peace with ourselves. You see, for me, I know what the big problem is with being reasonable. I know why I have tr- trouble being reasonable. It's fear. I have a hard time being reasonable because of fear. I'm afraid that I won't get my way. <laughs> I'm afraid that if somebody else gets their way, they're going to screw something up and I'm going to have to fix it. I have the fear that I will lose control when in reality, what control do I have? What control do I have over anything? My fear, my unreasonableness can only serve to harm me. It can only serve to mess up my heart and mess up my mind and mess up my relationship with Christ. My unreasonableness distorts the image of Christ in me. And if the Lord is really at hand, then I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid if the Lord is really at hand. Instead, knowing that he is near, I can go on to verse 6, where he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is a command. You are commanded to not be anxious. And I know Sometimes when you hear it as a command, it just makes you feel worse because every time you're anxious, you're like, well, I've blown it again. I've proven that I can't do this and I've blown it again because I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling worried. Don't hear it as a command. Hear it as freedom. You don't have to be anxious. Isn't that great? You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious anxious about anything you don't have to worry it's not going to do you any good anyway instead you can pray you can trust that glory to god in the highest means that he's even here in the lowest prayer isn't just about asking god for what you want i think you guys know that i hope you know that prayer is not your christmas list Prayer is not a time for you to say, Lord, I've been good this year, and I've got some stuff coming to me, so let me tell you what it is. Prayer is putting God in the highest place in your life. Prayer is putting God above your troubles. It's putting God above your pain. It's putting God above your brokenness, and it's saying, my anxiousness, my worry cannot fix this, but I know the Lord is near So take these circumstances, these circumstances that are out of my control, and instead let me know your presence. And in your presence, God, I promise, in your presence I will find joy. I will rejoice. I will always find joy. Take these relationships, take these people who drive me nuts, and show me how to be reasonable because you have been reasonable with me. Show me how to trust your grace for their lives just as I trust your grace for my life. And the promise is there in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The minute you think, God can't help me, The minute you think, God cannot help me, God cannot understand my problem, God cannot understand what I am going through, He surpasses your understanding. It means His peace can accomplish more than your plans. His peace can accomplish more than your understanding. It means you can trust the One who is above all circumstances. You can trust the One who is reasonable with you. You can trust the One who is never anxious who is never worried. You can put Him in the highest place. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, you can know peace. Now there's someone out there who doesn't know that. There's someone out there who doesn't know that, but they do know you. There is someone in your life who is hurt, who is frightened, who is in pain. And they are scared because they think that there is a big God out there who doesn't understand what they're going through. They think that there is a big God out there that doesn't understand. And we can tell them all we want, that, that God is love, that God is caring, that He is good, that, that He can bring you peace. But what they need is for someone to come down to them, to come to their level, and, and to make it real for them. To someone, They need someone to live it out for them. Someone who will come near. Someone who will show them joy. Who will show them reasonableness. Who will show them peace. And there is a very good chance... That someone is you. Can they see that in you? Maybe the question first is, can you see that in you? Can you see that kind of character, that kind of reality in you? Paul wraps up the whole matter with some other instructions and and another promise of peace for you. He says in verses 8 and 9, And you've listened very well. And you've listened to what I've said about rejoicing in the Lord always. And you've listened to what I've said about being reasonable. And you've listened to what I've said about not being anxious. And your reaction has been, I can't do that. That's not me. And you know what? I bet you're right. I bet you can't. I bet it's not you. But what if you changed your mind first? What if you started thinking about things that were honorable, things that were pure, things that were worthy of praise, and then see where that takes you? You notice in, in those verses, Paul starts out, think about these things. And then the next verse, he says, put them into practice. What if you started with what you think about? What if you started with your mind? And see where that takes you. See what that builds within you. Communion is not for people who have it all figured out. This table is not for perfect people. If you're perfect here today, you don't need it. We aren't going to serve you. (laughs) The table is not for people that have it all figured out. It's for beggars at the door of God like you and me. It's for people who are very aware of what they aren't, but who are amazed at a God who loves them anyway. And so let him work in you. Let him guard your heart and guard your mind with his perfect peace. Let him draw you into his presence.